0: This is The Think Tank with Dr. Mike O'Neill talking about the major political, economic, and social issues of the week. KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. The Think Tank. We're talking politics again this week in the legislature, so in, in the state. Uh, and we have with us Tom Ryan and Paul Bentz. Welcome, guys, back to the show. Thanks for having us. Uh, We're going to start kind of broad and talk about the political landscape. And one of the things that impacts that, Paul is the voter registration trends. There has been a report come out. What's happened since the last election in terms of
1: Republicans, Democrats, and others? Well, the Secretary of State puts out a quarterly report about voter registration, and the latest uh, registration announcement number shows a significant surge in independent voter registration since the November 2020 general election. In fact, during that same period of time, what we have found is about 53,000 new unaffiliated voters have joined the rolls, while both Republicans and Democrats are down slightly. Republicans down about 9,000 total voter registrants and Democrats down about 4,000 voter registrants.
0: I, I did a little arithmetic with that. And there are more um, Republicans than Democrats, and, and uh, but not that many more. And I looked at it this way, and I, I did some calculations. If you assume that equal numbers of Republicans and Democrats vote. And often Republicans vote more than Democrats, so that would change this. But if those numbers are equal, Democrats win by carrying
1: about 55% of independents. Well, one thing to your... Republicans over-participate in the state of Arizona. I think it's important to note that they had about a three-point advantage in 2020. They're going to have somewhere like a seven-point advantage in 2022. Off-cycles in Arizona are heavily Republican. But you can't win with just Republicans. You need independent voters. No single party in this state can win alone. And we're seeing a massive uptick in those independent and unaffiliated voters um, over this period And of that time. factor
0: would take my 55-45 number to closer to 60-40. Well, yeah, and that's what, what the s-
1: Democrats need. And that's what they've been getting lately. Absolutely. That's what we saw in the Mark Kelly race. That's what we saw in the Cinema race. Yep. In this period of time, and I'm sure Tom can speak to it, is that uh, independents have been breaking much more towards Democratic candidates because they've been appealing to them, but also because of what the Republicans have been on. <laughs> Could asking. you amplify a little bit, Paul, on that? Now,
0: my my sense has always been That there's this big group of 30-some-odd percent of independents, but really, there's a good chunk of those that are really Democrats, and there's a good chunk of those that are really Republican. And it's also been my sense, and tell me if I'm right on this, that those numbers are roughly equal.
1: Well, I, I would say that there probably is a middle ground that's a slightly bigger than the two other sides. I think you're right in that there's a portion of these folks that actually used to be of a party, and they changed from a party to independent. So that we in the file, they actually can be broken out slightly different. But the other group you're talking about is the PND or party not declared no party preference. Those are the people who wrote none or don't want to be affiliated with a party. And that's the group that does uh, swing back and forth. And at this last time in these last two cycles, eight, and in twenty, those have broke democratically because they seem to like those candidates better.
2: I think. I, I think the issue is um, if you look at the cinema campaign and you look at the Kelly campaign, uh, they didn't really identify as Democrat. They really did identify centrist uh, positions. They didn't come out as Bernie Sanders type Democrats, and and because they weren't trying to be polarizing. I uh, I think they had a uh you know, they, they in they garnered more votes. When you look at uh McSally, McSally came out full on Trump, full MAGA. Uh she she really ran a very harsh race hard to the right, which probably kept her base intact, but then failed to uh you know, failed to appeal to independence and, and quite frankly, uh they you know, she and Trump both lost moderate Republicans like in Paradise Valley, Scottsdale, things like that. There were a lot of Republicans that might have voted for them, but because of the kind of the hard right uh, attitude they took, I think they lost them.
1: What do you think? Yeah, I tend to agree with that. I think one of the things we're seeing here is those independent voters were much more attracted to those candidates that spoke to them. I think Kelly and Cinema did a lot more work to appeal to them. I also think one of the things to note here registration-wise is one thing that's clear to me is that this is returning back to sort of what we've seen in the past. Prior to 2016, independent and unaffiliated voters were the largest party in the state. Um, and then since 2016, people's re-registered to vote in the presidential preference elections because independents can't vote in that election. They can vote in every other election but not the presidential Which confuses right. a lot of people. Tons of confusion <laughs> there. You can <laughs>
0: vote in a primary but the
1: presidential primary pre- preference primary is the exception to because that. Because it's a special different type of election. With not a bunch technically of a rules. primary. That is exactly yeah. correct. And it's run by the parties. Um, the other thing to note here is that this is clear to me that no Republican or Democratic group is spending money right now running voter registration drives in absence of a well-funded well-backed registration drive um, from Soros if you from the left or from the Club for Growth to the right if you don't have somebody spending money on that those numbers don't increase left to its own devices this is sort of the stasis I think this is the natural
2: approach right now which is a growing number of independents Uh, an attrition away from party identification and and movement Towards just no party affiliation, what what do you think has dri- driven this recently? And I, I I I like Mike's point about hey, in a presidential preferential, you have to uh, you have to identify. Uh, but it seems to me something else might be driving uh, people re- who register away from registering as a Republican or Democrat. Do you have any thoughts on that, Paul? Well, I think that's one of the things
1: that I, everybody. That's the. The magic question, right, is understanding what is motivating those folks and can they be motivated to participate in this election and vote for a certain candidate? I think people just assume they're all moderate. I don't believe that's the case. I think they also assume if you talk to them, maybe they'll show up and I'm not necessarily sure that's the case. The third assumption a lot of folks make is that they're issue driven. And they do care about issues and independent unaffiliated voters can in the same mindset be want pro-immigration and pro-education for example. I've seen it. The polling right. shows that. But I don't know if that's what motivates them. I think one of the questions we have is you could have a candidate where they disagree with the candidate, but because they like that person more, they would vote for that person even if policy-wise they weren't affiliated with
2: do you, that. Do you think any of the, the policy issues of either the party are, are, are driving people away? I mean I I, I will be honest. I, I left the Republican Party back in 2010 uh, because of the the harsh immigration policies that I saw developing. Do you see that still is working today? And I'm not just talking about Republicans, but Republicans and Democrats. Do you see as you know policy stances is driving people away from party registration?
1: I do. I think it's more of the leanings of the parties. You look, you talked about Bernie Sanders. Arizona will go blue, but not Bernie Sanders blue, blue or Nancy <laughs> Pelosi blue. And we also saw that in fully embracing the Trump policies um, is fraught for some of these Republicans as well. It's a little bit more. You see these independents, they can pick and choose. But it's important to note, for example, Maricopa County voted for Mark Kelly Voted for Joe Biden and then kept all the county offices Republican, so there is a little bit of a balance going on there.
2: Do you think? Do you think any of the uh, of this audit that's going on, that's being conducted by cyber ninjas and being pushed by uh, Karen Fan and uh, Senator Warren? Uh, Peterson, do you, th- do you see that as driving people away from a Republican registration? Well, I,
1: 70 plus percent of Republicans support the audit and 76 percent of Republicans think there was significant fraud that impacted the outcome of the election. Only about 33 percent of, de- of independents believe that and about a similar number support the audit. I just don't know. The question is, there's this bold assumption that independents aren't going to vote for Republicans because of the audit. I don't know if we can make that connection. That said, when we return, we've talked about
0: who the voters are. When we return, we're going to talk about another process that is a little bit in the weeds, but is monumentally important. And that is the process by which politicians select their voters rather than voters selecting their politicians. That process is called redistricting. It is underway. We'll talk about that when we return in the think tank. The Think Tank. KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. Okay, we promised to talk about redistricting. Short primer for that is that uh, there are legislative districts, there are congressional districts, there are supervisory districts as well, and one has to decide on drawing lines, and drawing those lines means everything because the end result of that is usually... About 90 percent of the districts have foregone conclusions for one party or another. And there's usually a handful of districts left where uh, the vote tally difference between Republicans and Democrats is small enough that they have to actually run a campaign to to see who's going to win. So in Arizona, some years ago, we voted an independent uh, commission Uh, to do this. There are appointed two Democrats and two Republicans. The fifth member is an independent. We've done this twice already. And and in both of the prior incarnations, uh, that fifth independent uh, person basically became the czar of all things redistricting because the partisans uh, behaved in a predictable fashion and the fifth person basically got their way. Side editorial. Five was a lousy number for that. Nine would have been terrific. Three Democrats, three Republicans, three others. That would at least mean that there's not a single person who's making these decisions. But but there's no way that's changed for this time and maybe not in the future. So right now, uh, Tom Ryan, they're going through Uh, The members are selected. They've selected a staff. They're doing a listening tour around the state of what people want. Does this mean anything, or is this just theater?
2: No, it's not just theater. Uh, What the commission is tasked to do is to look at uh, communities of interest. Um, It could be based upon race. um, It could be based upon nationality, like, for example, the Navajo Nation or the Apache people. Uh, And they're supposed to try their best to keep communities of interest together. So the purpose of the IRC, the Independent Redistricting Committee, is to put an end to the old concept of gerrymandering. Although uh, we've seen in prior iterations, both when the Democrats controlled and when the Republicans controlled, there's still a bit of gerrymandering that goes on um the The other thing that's supposed to happen with the IRC is they have an obligation to create competitive districts, and what competitive means is uh kind of loosely defined and not really enforced. in fact, our Supreme Court basically punted on competitiveness and said nah, that's really kind of a political issue um we if, do if I could interject sure the proposition that uh, set forth the
0: Independent commission, I think was the culprit in that. Because my, re- I remember reading this at the time, and I remember having a problem with it. It said you'll have communities of interest and a whole lot of other stuff, all of that. And then to the extent possible, you'll have
1: competitiveness. It wasn't put on the same plane with the rest. Well, it's a, it's actually one thing I want to be clear that it's a balancing act because they have to be equal population. They have to abide by the Federal Voting Rights yep. Act. Shapen geographically, they have to be compact. Yep. They also then respect communities of interest and then finally be competitive. So when you have all of those in balance, that's the balance that and you're the going honest for truth is that you
0: cannot maximize all of those at the same time. For correct. example, correct. For example, if you say we would like a minority district in Arizona, that means a largely Hispanic district, for example. That's going to be a, if, if you do that, that's going to be a Democratic seat. Um, and in the external, well, in places like, oh, say the Navajo Nation, sparsely populated, lot of land, uh, a district being drawn that keeps that together is pretty easy to do. Uh, the, the trick all comes when you get into the metropolitan areas and you're moving things street by
1: street. The, the challenge you do have, especially with the Federal Voting Rights Act, is if you have to make a majority-minority district so yes. that it gets minority representation, which is a very, uh, volu- very great and valid goal – By doing that, when compacting those districts to involve that number of individuals, which Mike said, and it's true, those would lean Democrat, then you are, by virtue of doing that, leaving some other districts that end up heavily Republican as a
0: result. Which is why, interestingly, the people who most love these heavily saturated minority Democratic districts are the Republicans, because typically... By arithmetic, what you get those if you start out with ballpark equal numbers of R's and D's, there's a few more R's we said, but ballpark equal. You really pack the Hispanics, which are Democrats, into a smaller number of districts. That means there can be typically a larger number of districts that are moderately Republican. In other words, you're not waste what, what they call wasting votes, which is once you once you're above sixty forty, If you pack something more more than that, you're gilding the lily. You're, you're already got a safe seat.
1: Right. I mean, you look at Congressional District 4, which is where Gosar is right now. It's a plus 28 Republican participation. No Democrat is ever going to win. No. So he can basically do and say whatever he wants. he has. And he has. <laughs> yeah, and he's not going to get beat. The thing is. Based on that, he's not going to get beat by a Democrat. He's going to get beat by a Republican. Republican.
2: He he needs to be primaried, but that's a different story and a different show. You know, take a look at CD1 the way it's currently constructed right now. It's the largest district. Tell us where it is. CD1, it it starts up there in the Navajo Nation, comes all the way down the east side. It's like a big letter C. It comes through Pinal County and picks up uh, part of uh, northern Pima County uh, and, and into Casa Grande um so there's it, it it actually becomes a competitive district because you you have some uh suburban areas like uh Coolidge and Casa Grande then you have rural interests uh and you have some rural democrats uh and so it's it's a it's a seat that Tom O'Halloran had won it's a seat that uh you know Ann Kirkpatrick had won uh, but those are very tight races against the Republicans have run against them
0: and it 's one of a very small number. You it's also a- have the old Mcsally. A Gifford seat, which has flipped.
1: Southern Arizona. Yeah. And we too. had
0: only a third one that we thought was competitive, turned out to be Democratic. That was the cinema seat. But the one,
1: I think the one thing that, to note here is we did not, by virtue of the census, get a 10th congressional district. We missed the po- we, we didn't but, spend enough money on the census. But we still
0: have to redraw all the lines. Oh, to yeah. Level.
1: Right. But the issue is because of the changing population growth and the demographics, there's two pushes, though, that we've got to watch against. There's going to be a big push to try to keep the districts generally in the same. Area compared to a big push to try to completely redraw them, and so wanna, that's the, be. A I want to ask you oh, a yeah. question because I think it's the ultimate
0: political one. As I've said before, both times this fifth vote was critical. There is a, an independent on the uh, on the commission right now, and there have been only a couple of indicators where this person may come down. On the staffing and on one other issue, they came down on the Republican side. The tea leaves would kind of suggest that this is a this is a closet Republican sympathizer. What do you think?
2: I'm going to go with yes on that. When you look at the fact that they hired Eric Spencer, who's a very bright fellow, but also was on the Governor Ducey's staff. I mean, you know, the the when that's your counsel— you're going to get some very right leanings, Republican leanings on that. Um, I, I think I think this person leans. You, I'm going to take you back 20 seconds uh, for, because you have to understand something. The recommendations for who goes on that committee come from the Arizona uh, Appellate Court Commission that that appoints people to the appellate courts. Ducey has no Democrats on it. they're either Republican or, or right leaning, uh, you know, uh, independents, and they're the ones who pick. We'll be back after the break in the Think Tank.
0: The Think Tank, KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. Okay, in our never ending politics, a little factoid that will make you sit up in your seat here that has been pointed out by Paul. Uh, The primary election uh, for the for the next uh, election round is one year from now. So uh, people are lining up, Paul, Arizona GOP governor. What's it look like?
1: Well, the early favorite in the Arizona Republican governor's race has to be Carrie Lake, uh, the former newscaster. Those who maybe are doubting her seriousness or her viability uh, are not paying close attention to um, how she's running that campaign. And I think one of the big important things to note about uh, how she's handled this so far, and she's recently, she's at the uh, Pillow Convention right now, and she's doing some other things to really build that conservative cred, but. Because of her celebrity and because of her past and because of her conflicts with the media and other things, um, Lake is one of those rare candidates that doesn't need to hug Trump to win the Republican primary. In fact, she is just impersonating Trump. She is Trump. She's her own celebrity candidate with her own gravity and her own set of fans. Um it's no secret and not a surprise that when Trump was in town last, when he announced her name, she got the biggest applause and you know, he raised his eyebrows. And- oh, oh, he
0: kn- that, I, that was I was going to say something about that. He, I think, was genuinely surprised. You saw his was more than eyebrows. It was physical reaction. I think he took note of that. And to me, the significance of that is he likes to endorse people who are going to win because it enhances his stature. I think she's the odds-on favorite. To, to get a Trump endorsement at some point. Well, and
1: the other Republicans are all doing their best to to court that base. And there's a lot of very conservative Republicans in this race. I don't think anyone would argue that Matt Salmon, Kimberly Yee, Karen Taylor, and uh, the rest of that individuals are all very conservative individuals. But they need Trump.
2: They, yeah, they're, they're embracing him big time. But uh, Lake does not.
1: Now, I wonder with four
0: or five candidates, is there room in the Republican Party? Remember, you can win this with twenty five percent or something like that if it's if the vote's split up uh Is there room for a traditional non trumpy conservative in a in a Republican primary, or is that just so small that that are there's no place for that.
1: If every single one of them voted for one candidate, perhaps. But, I mean, we're talking, as I said, 76% of the Republican electorate believes that there's significant fraud that impacted the outcome of the election. So that being said, we're talking about 25% or so. They would all have to go to one candidate. But when you look at Lake and what she's doing right now, it reminds me a lot of the 2016 primary, where early on a lot of people were like, well, Trump's not serious. And, and yes. everybody, oh, you know, it's, it won't be. And, and, and the other candidates had good, run, well-run candidates campaigns and actually had quite a bit of uh, things going on. But at the end of the day, nobody took Trump out and he was allowed to stick around and stick around. And at, then he, he suddenly it was his and nobody could catch him. Uh, that's what's going to happen here, barring some seismic shift in the Republican. I,
2: I, I hear Matt Salmon one of these days pulling a Jeb Bush saying, please clap. I mean, he's going to be uh, <laughs> up there against Kerry Lake and that's he's Jeb Bush to uh you know uh Kerry lakes Trump he's I,
0: also somebody that's been out of politics. I wonder if he's sort of like seen as a voice from the past.
1: I think he's got name ID. I think he's got a base. East Valley is a strong Republican stronghold mm-hmm. um, within the LDS community. I think he's got a lot of things going for him. And it should be noted, Matt's actually running an incredibly good campaign. The fundamental blocking and tackling of a Republican primary. Matt Salmon's probably doing the best job of communicating, of rolling out endorsements, of bringing in conservative individuals. Andy Biggs from the Freedom Caucus and others and trying to show that strength. Um, the question is, is that a Enough no. against somebody like Carrie Lake, who is saying in her announcement video she's going to build the wall, and she's uh, you know arguing with the media. I I heard I have not got confirmation on this, but I heard she walked out of the RGA, the Republican Governors Association.
2: That's surprising.
1: Which is a large Republican funding group that she said she didn't want to be in this with these swampy insiders and and left. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you know maybe we'll confirm that at some point. But I mean like that if. That's not the move of somebody that needs that money. That's the move of somebody who thinks they've got the grassroots behind.
2: Them. No, I'm I'm with you. I think she's a front-runner. And I, I also would suggest to uh, Katie Hobbs, if you're listening, um, you start campaigning now against uh, Carrie Lake now because that's who I think it's going to be down the road. And, you know, if, if, if Katie Hobbs doesn't start the retail campaigning fairly soon – uh, she's going to be way behind the mark. But Carrie's getting a lot of attention, uh, and, and I agree with you. I think she is the front-runner. And it all circles back to those
1: independents. This is the question that we have. I, I think independents will be more aligned with Hobbs when it comes to the audit, mm. if the audit drags on that long, and I, I think we've seen to this point. But I don't know if, that's, if they're going to care enough to choose – the anti-audit person over Lake who's very strongly supported the audit. There's a world in which independents
2: don't agree with Lake on the audit and still vote for it because they like her. The audit has been the best thing to happen to Katie Hobbs because she's the anti-audit voice. She's gotten lots of national attention, lots of national media attention. Um, and and right now the, the wheels are starting to come off the audit. Um, they've had this on and off again relationship with Ken Bennett. They've had – um, internal fighting. They've had a, a lack of transparency in spite of a promise of transparency. And now we're watching this My Pillow symposium going on in South Dakota. And uh, this week we found out that the evidence that they were relying upon for these CPACs uh, is now just phony stuff. And it came from somebody Arizona knows. Dennis Montgomery, who was the guy who was feeding all the information uh, back in the birth certificates days to uh, Sheriff Joe Arpaio. He's, he's raised his ugly head again, and Mike Lindell has uh, relied upon him. The audit is going to be a big campaign issue. It won't be the sole issue. Immigration will be big. Education will be big. But I'm going to tell you right now, I think this audit will be – in the top five issues, But,
1: Tom. The question is: Is that enough? Do you, no, like, no, no. It's there's not There's righteousness that there, I I feel the righteousness, and I I look I, I I see it, and I understand it. I don't know if it's going to be enough. I don't I, know. I if wonder the audit if is. with
0: Paul. I, I I think to the partisan Republicans and Democrats, that both will feel strongly. But I I'm skeptical as to whether the Independents, while they may I well, as you pointed out, lean towards saying this uh, this audit was nonsense whether they will are willing to vote on that basis is...
2: here 's what 's driving a lot of the political electorate today it 's fear and rage that 's why we have this uh this this huge uh, gap in the political process here and so uh you know there are people like marjorie taylor Greene and and uh dan you know Crenshaw who understand or uh, hawthorne out and uh, South Carolina, they understand that if I can evoke rage and if I can install fear and I'm the only one who can protect you, this is driving a lot of that. And on the other side, they're saying, hey, wait a minute, we're, we can get this fixed. Let's all take a deep breath. Uh, and we're having these, you know, these massive battles over vaccines and whether or not we should have masks and mask mandates and vaccine mandates um so it's this is going to be kind of a wild uh a wild west season for arizona in politics and in some of the traditional issues like immigration and education will be big but they're going to get they're they're going to get pushed around and moved around by by these other issues that are out there i think and the pandemic is going to be a big one i want to
0: ask one other question to both of you. you 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 both indicated kerry lake is a front runner right now i don't disagree with that but I would observe that a month ago, I don't think you would have said that. And so uh, she has not been on the political stage before. Does she, I wonder, have the capacity to implode by doing something just totally stupid?
1: Well, uh certainly everybody I mean she's burning very bright, and some things that burn right burn bright uh, fade away quickly, other things continue to burn right burn brightly I, that that's only main to be seen you know you look at some of the stuff that's happened to her so far I mean the Dennis Welch from Channel Three did an interview with her that asked her you know she had donated to Democrats, including Obama in the past, and she was basically able to write that off mm-hmm. and and so it's right now she's got she's Teflon does that last forever? But I mean, look, how many times during the 2016 election we said, oh, well, Trump's never going to get out of this one, you know, or, you know, the bus interview or any number one of those things that they had on him and they kept unrolling him. And, and every time it's like, oh, this is the end. This is the last right. one. And it just never happened.
0: We're That's always we always understand things like this by analogy. If the analogy is Donald Trump, she's going to sail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, right.
2: You know what it is, is is she has she's she's learned the language and, and she understands the issues of the the mag- of people, mm-hmm. and and they accept her now. They they forgive any mm-hmm. past sins and any future errors, and so it will. be, And I think Paul's uh, initial statement, "She isn't hugging Trump. She is Trump." is is very prescient, and I think that's absolutely true. She's already made a lot of missteps. Um, but they are glossed over by people. She, she's claiming she's going to uh, you know, undo every um, license cancellation for a li- liquor license holder. She has no authority to do that. She's misspelled uh, words in her campaign literature. Nobody cares. I, I th- come
0: back to analogy. Okay, if the analogy is Trump, then she's in. If the analogy is Sarah Palin, who was a very bright star, who I think by the end of the campaign, in that election year was a
1: liability so i know does tita Fey do a Kerry lake impression yeah. i mean part of, that is, <laughs> uh, part of that is because snl helped with that i mean the yeah. uh, Carrie lake attacked the olympians and then two days later gave them kudos yeah and it, there's this all this outrage because social media demands it demands this upright outrage about everything uh, is it
2: going to be enough that i'm not sure it's going to be I think, I think Sarah Palin made Trump uh, a, a possibility and has now made Kerry Lake a possibility. That's
0: an interesting an observation people have made before. We'll return for a final segment in the Think Tank in just a moment. The Think Tank. KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. Okay, in our never-ending Politics, a little factoid that will make you sit up in your seat here that has been pointed out by Paul. Uh, The primary election uh, for the for the next uh, election round is one year from now. So uh, people are lining up. Paul, Arizona GOP governor. What's it look like?
1: Well, the early favorite in the Arizona Republican governor's race has to be Carrie Lake, Uh, the former newscaster, those who maybe are doubting her seriousness or her viability uh, are not paying close attention to um, how she's running that campaign. And I think one of the big important things to note about uh, how she's handled this so far and she's recently she's at the uh, pillow convention right now and she's doing some other things to really build that conservative cred. But. Because of her celebrity and because of her past and because of her conflicts with the media and other things, um, Lake is one of those rare candidates that doesn't need to hug Trump to win. The Republican primary. In fact, she is just impersonating Trump. She is Trump. She's her own celebrity candidate with her own gravity and her own set of fans. Um, it's no secret and not a surprise that when Trump was in town last, when he announced her name, she got the biggest applause. And you know, he raised his eyebrows. And- oh, oh, he—that kn- that was. I was going to
0: say something about that. He, I think, was genuinely surprised. You saw his physicals more than eyebrows. It was physical reaction. I think he took note of that. And to me, the significance of that is he likes to endorse people who are going to win because it enhances his stature. I think she's the odds-on uh, favorite to to get a Trump endorsement at some point.
1: Well, and the other Republicans are all doing their best to to court that base. And there's a lot of very conservative Republicans in this race. I don't think anyone would argue that Matt Salmon, Kimberly Yee, Karen Taylor, and uh, the rest of that individuals are all very conservative individuals. But they need Trump. They, yeah, they're, they're embracing him big time. But uh, Lake does not.
0: Eat I wonder that. with four or five candidates, is there room in the Republican Party? Remember, you can win this with twenty five percent or something like that if it's if the vote's split up uh Is there room for a traditional non trumpy conservative in a in a Republican primary, or is that just so small that that there there's no place for that.
1: If every single one of them voted for one candidate, perhaps. But I mean, we're talking, as I said, 76 percent of the Republican electorate believes that there is significant fraud that impacted the outcome of the election. So. That being said, we're talking about 25 percent or so. They would all have to go to one candidate. But when you look at Lake and what she's doing right now, it reminds me a lot of the 2016 primary where early on, a lot of people are like, well, Trump's not serious. And you yes. know, everybody, oh, you know, it's, it won't be. And, and, and the other candidates had good, run, well-run campaigns and actually had quite a bit of uh, things going on. But at the end of the day, nobody took Trump out. And he was allowed to stick around and stick around. And at, then he, he suddenly it was his and nobody could catch him. Uh, that's what's going to happen here, barring some seismic shift in the Republican I, I
2: hear rights. Matt Salmon one of these days pulling a Jeb Bush saying, please clap. I mean, he's going to be uh, up <laughs> there against Kerry Lake. And that's he's Jeb Bush to, uh, you know, Kerry uh, Lake's Trump. He's I,
0: also somebody that's been out of politics. I wonder if he's sort of like seen as a voice from the past.
1: I think he's got name ID. I think he's got a base. East Valley is a strong Republican stronghold mm-hmm. um, within the LDS community. I think he's got a lot of things going for him. And it should be noted, Matt's actually running an incredibly good campaign. The fundamental blocking and tackling of a Republican primary. Matt Salmon's probably doing the best job of communicating, of rolling out endorsements, of bringing in conservative individuals, and he begs from the Freedom Caucus and others, and trying to show that strength. Um, the question is, is that a Enough no. against somebody like Carrie Lake who is saying in her announcement video she's going to build the wall and she's uh you know arguing with the media i I heard I have not got confirmation on this, but I heard she walked out of the r g a the republican governor's association that's surprising, which is a large Republican funding group that she said she didn't want to be in this with the swampy insiders and and left <laughs> <laughs> and um you know maybe we'll confirm that at some point, but I mean like that if. That's not the move of somebody that needs that money. That's the move of somebody who thinks they've got the grassroots behind.
2: Them. No, I'm I'm with you. I think she's a front-runner. And I, I also would suggest to uh, Katie Hobbs, if you're listening, um, you start campaigning now against uh, Carrie Lake now because that's who I think it's going to be down the road. And, you know, if, if, if Katie Hobbs doesn't start the retail campaigning fairly soon – uh, she's going to be way behind the mark, but Carrie's getting a lot of attention, uh, and and I agree with you. I think she is the front runner, and it all circles back to those independents. This is the question that we have. I, I
1: think independents will be more aligned with Hobbs when it comes to the audit. Mm-hmm. If the audit drags on that long, and I, I think we've seen to this point, but I don't know if that's if they're going to care enough to choose the anti-audit person over Lake who's very strongly supported the audit. There's a world in which independents don't agree with Lake on the audit and still vote for it because they
2: like her. The audit has been the best thing to happen to Katie Hobbs because she's the anti-audit voice. She's gotten lots of national attention, lots of national media attention. Um, and and right now the, the wheels are starting to come off the audit. Um, they've had this on and off again relationship with Ken Bennett. They've had – um, internal fighting. They've had a, a lack of transparency in spite of a promise of transparency. And now we're watching this My Pillow symposium going on in South Dakota. And uh, this week we found out that the evidence that they were relying upon for these CPACs uh, is now just phony stuff. And it came from somebody Arizona knows. Dennis Montgomery, who was the guy who was feeding all the information uh, back in the birth certificates days to uh, Sheriff Joe Arpaio. He's, he's raised his ugly head again, and Mike Lindell has uh, relied upon him. The audit is going to be a big campaign issue. It won't be the sole issue. Immigration will be big. Education will be big. But I'm going to tell you right now, I think this audit will be – in the top five issues, But, Tom.
1: The question is: Is that enough? Do you, no, like, no, no, It's not righteousness that I I feel the righteousness, and I I look I, I I see it, and I understand it. I don't know if it's going to be enough. I don't I, know. I if wonder the audit if is. with
0: Paul. I, I I think to the partisan Republicans and Democrats, they both will feel strongly. But I I'm skeptical as to whether the Independents, while they may I well as you pointed out, lean towards saying this uh, this audit was nonsense. Whether they will are willing to vote on that basis. Is...
2: Here's what's driving a lot of the political electorate today: it's fear and rage. That's why we have this uh, this this huge uh, gap in the political process here, and so uh, you know there are people like Marjorie Taylor Greene and and uh, Dan you know Crenshaw who understand or uh, Hawthorne out and. Uh, South Carolina, they understand that if I can evoke rage and if I can install fear and I'm the only one who can protect you, this is driving a lot of that. And on the other side, they're saying, hey, wait a minute, we we can get this fixed. Let's all take a deep breath. Uh, and we're having these, you know, these massive battles over vaccines and whether or not we should have masks and mask mandates and vaccine mandates um so it's this is going to be kind of a wild uh a wild west season for arizona in politics and in some of the traditional issues like immigration and education will be big but they're going to get they're they're going to get pushed around and moved around by by these other issues that are out there i think and the pandemic is going to be a big one i want to
0: ask one other question to both of you. you 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 both indicated kerry lake is a front runner right now i don't disagree with that but I would observe that a month ago, I don't think you would have said that. And so uh, she has not been on the political stage before. Does she, I wonder, have the capacity to implode by doing something just totally stupid?
1: Well, uh certainly everybody I mean she's burning very bright, and some things that burn right burn bright uh, fade away quickly, other things continue to burn right whether burn brightly I, that that's only main to be seen you know you look at some of the stuff that's happened to her so far I mean the Dennis Welch from Channel Three did an interview with her that asked her you know she had donated to Democrats, including Obama in the past, and she was basically able to write that off mm-hmm. and and so it's right now she's got she's Teflon does that last forever? ever. But I mean, look, how many times during the 2016 election we said, oh, well, Trump's never going to get out of this one, you know, or, you know, the bus interview or any number one of those things that they had on him and they kept unrolling him. And, and every time it's like, oh, this is the end. This is the last right. one. And it just never happened. We're That's always we
0: always understand things like this by analogy. If the analogy is Donald Trump, she's going to sail.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. look, you know what it is, is is she has she's she's learned the language and, I, and she understands the issues of the, the MAGA people and and they accept her now they they forgive any past sins and any future errors and so it will be, and i think paul's initial statement she isn't hugging trump she is trump is is very prescient and i think that's absolutely true she's already made a lot of missteps um, but they are glossed over by people. She She's claiming she's going to uh, you know, undo every um, license cancellation for a li- liquor license holder. She has no authority to do that. She's misspelled uh, words in her campaign literature. Nobody cares. I, I come thi- back to analogy.
0: Okay, if the analogy is Trump, then she's in. If the analogy is Sarah Palin, who was a very bright star, who I think by the end of the campaign, in that election year was a liability
1: so i know does tina fey do a carrie lake impression i mean <laughs> part, of that is, uh, part of that is because snl helped with that i mean the yeah. uh, carrie lake attacked the olympians and then two days later gave them kudos yeah and it, there's this all this outrage because social media demands it demands this upright outrage about everything uh, is it going to be enough that i'm not sure it's going to be
2: I think, I think Sarah Palin made Trump uh, a, a possibility and has now made Carrie Lake a possibility. That's
0: an interesting an observation people have made before. We'll return for a final segment in the Think Tank in just a moment.